there's a whole array of sort of harm reduction strategies that we can, aren't even allowed to do, right? Like you said, safe consumption sites, but also safe drug supply, actually, right? Which I know sounds crazy mm-hmm. to people, but like, yes, if people are going to do meth, like, let's give them some prescription, like, methamphetamine right um to know that Mm -hmm. they're like getting exactly you know the kind of dose quantity that is going to prevent them from overdosing but yeah if the market's not involved Mm -hmm. this country is allergic to a solution so you can legalize marijuana as long as people can make Mm -hmm. money off of it money money exactly how much money you need like these big pharma companies freak the fuck out when they want price controls they're just narcos right with white collars. I said it. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to another Tuesday in the Bituation Room. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. So happy to have you here. So happy you pressed play. So happy you decided to hang out with me for the next hour and a half or so. We've got such a good show. Uh, Comedian Mateen Stewart is back. Very excited. We're going to talk about uh, all the important news items like uh, people being stuck at Burning Man, especially just like, like, I don't know, I've (laughs) just funny people. It's because the people who go to Burning Man now are just kind of clowns in and of themselves. Um, No disrespect. Uh, you know, I hope everyone's safe. I hope everyone, uh, I know there was a death. I, we still don't know what happened, but anyway, there are some funny people, including a Fox news anchor who was at burning man. Uh, I guess that slipped out cause, uh, the right has some thoughts about why burning man was inundated with water. And so we'll get into that. Uh, also, uh, dark Brandon rises, although not, although is, but not, but he's good, but he's bad, but you know, he does things. Uh, Joe Biden is moving forward with the Inflation Reduction Act and finally trying to negotiate prices on 10 prescription drugs. What are the 10? Did your fave make it? Uh, Your fave blood thinner? Holler at me in the chat. Uh, No, it's really good news. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Biden getting a little spicy ahead of the elections. and, And that just means like, you know, uh, a mild pace picante sauce that you get at Safeway like that's that's how spicy you know our president can get uh but of course we will I guess take it and we'll run with it and then of course uh back at the border professor Carlos Martinez I think he goes by professor can I call people professor he's an assistant professor whatever they're all professors to me Carlos Martinez friend of the show actually was on the very first bituation room ever and we're almost going to hit our 200th episode. So Carlos has been busy. Um, while I've got just the same show, he's like a, an assistant professor at UC Santa Cruz in Latino studies. And he's done incredible work, uh, specifically looking at U.S. border policies and uh, a lot of the scaremongering around migrants and so we're going to dig into some of that as we've been kind of on this kick lately uh so stay tuned in a little bit and then of course we're going to end with some fun what would you do uh news items a few interesting things happened radioactive fish were eaten um senate leaders froze on camera 
We're asking, what would you do in these situations? Mateen is going to stick around with me for that at the end of the show. And then remember, y'all, this is not the only show. In fact, Fridays, it's a bonus bish, me and all the stories that we didn't get to on Tuesday. Last week, we talked about um, the head of the Spanish um, Soccer Football Federation kissing the scoring goal uh, striker uh, of the U.S. women's team, The excuse me, the Spanish women's team. You know what I'm saying. You guys remember. Anyway, it was fun. Got to whip out a lot of Spanish. We, uh, we, it was silly. It was ridiculous. If you're like, where can I watch this? I want to see that. Uh, you can become a patron, patreon.com slash habituation room. You can watch back. You can listen back. If you just want to stay on YouTube or Twitch, you can also become a member. And then you get access to not just the current bonus episode, but all the previous bonus episodes. But look, I'm funneling everybody to Patreon. That's where... That's where the cut's the biggest, people. All right? Google, ye old Google, not as kind. That being said, I'll take it where I can get it. And just thank you. I had my members drawn up, and now I lost them. But thank you to Andrew Kay and Marcus Aurelius, who rejoined as members on YouTube uh, at Becoming Fran Girls. Hell yeah. Um, and also, if you want to tip the show, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. You can always do that. And if you become a patron at $10 or more, or you're a big tipper, or really any tipper, I'll give you a shout-out in the fart song. You know what it is. You know how we do. Um, but right now, I think, before I get into the whole shebango, you got to know that Matt Lieb and I are going to be in San Francisco on October 17th. Uh, at the Punchline Comedy Club, uh, co-headlining on a Tuesday. So I think I'll do the show, and then we'll have the show show, the in-person show, later on. So it'll be good. It'll be a very packed night. Um, Carlos has a fun story about coming to try trying to come to see me do stand-up. Maybe he can share that a little bit later. Um, but uh, with that, you guys, uh, let's get into it. I'm super ready to bitch. This is What are you bitching about? So uh, Elon Musk is a white supremacist. How many, how many times, how many breadcrumb trails, how many things is he going to do to just like before we're like, yeah, he's a Nazi. He's definitely, you know, like what, what does he need to do to prove to us that he very much believes that like the media and corporations, except for him, are run by a cabal of, you know, uh, Jewish, like, evildoers like soros paid jews and his friends uh and uh they you know orchestrated black lives matter and all yada 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 but let's stick with the anti-semitic stuff because that seems to be his flavor and that's the thing that he likes and lately he's decided that the massive flop of the takeover of x vomits a little in mouth um that the fact that it's failing is not because nobody wants to be on a platform where uh, there are rabid anti-Semites, misogynist, a-holes, weirdo conspiracy theorists, uh, and that like gay people and women and people of color have basically fled the site to like, I don't know, TikTok or anything that's semi-less heinous. Um, and that, you know... Uh, the blue check marks were one of the more like interesting parts of it because you could see who was actually even stupidly but semi anointed by society to have an opinion about fucking anything. 
And I say this as a former blue check haver, which, you know, I don't tweet that much. I don't have that much to say on Twitter, but I at least like to know who maybe like has a credential. I don't know. Um, got rid of that, made it not fun at all. It's none of that. It's not that he's limiting our tweets. It's not that he's screwing with the entire algorithm. What else has happened that we've hated? It's not all that. Why don't we just now blame the Jews? Hell yeah. Let's just tap that rail. Why not? So his latest thing is getting mad at the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL. And so over the weekend, he freaked out about how we have to hashtag ban the ADL. And then all the Nazis were like, yeah, we should ban the ADL. Now, as a progressive, as someone who stands with Palestinian human rights, let's be real about the ADL. They have consistently conflated criticism of Israel with criticism of Jews and being anti-Semitic generally, which, as we all know, is not the same thing at all. And anyone who says it is and conflates it is probably an anti-Semite, as evidenced by the fact, interesting fact, that Elon Musk then later this week, just today, tweeted about a documentary that sort of like has like a, a critical look of the of, I think, one of the ADL members, but specifically through the lens of like, like rabid pro-Israel policies that have no room for Palestinian human rights or discussion of the occupation or anything. And he tweets like, hmm, interesting. It's like, no, bro, you like it because it's critical, because you just hate Jews. That's actual anti-Semitism. But anyway, uh, so he, of course, this has been fun. He's uh, he's decided that actually it's the ADL and them basically calling out the fact that there are now Nazis just completely running amok on this platform. And so he's now saying to clear up our platform's name on the matter of anti-Semitism, it looks like we have no choice but to file a defamation lawsuit against the Anti-Defamation League. Oh, the irony. Mm. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. Um, and the best part about that lawsuit is that one, it's never going to happen. And two, as proof, all the ADL has to do this to say that this is an unsafe platform that should not be a go-to for advertisers, which is what he's mad about. If I buried that lead, he's mad about the ad revenue. All they have to do is look at the replies and everyone being like, yeah, triple parens Jew. Like, it's just, it's really bad there, guys. It's, re it's like 4chan bad. And especially if you're Jewish or you have a Jewish last name. It's incredibly awful. You can't tweet anything without anyone being like, oh, you would like Renaissance, the Renaissance tour, Jew. What the fuck? Like, that's literally, that's what it is now. So anyway, um, this is, here's what's annoying to me. The last thing I'm going to say is that somehow the two issues, the issues that like, even Jews stand with, which is Palestinian human rights, somehow criticizing Israel gets conflated with broad white supremacist anti-Semitism, the likes of Elon Musk, right? The likes of Alex Jones, the likes of uh, Nick Fuentes, Yiannopoulos, I don't know, name them all, Donald Trump, the, the likes of the toppling of Jewish headstones at cem Jewish cemeteries, the, the, um, the 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 tree of life massacre like all of these things gets put on an even playing field and you're like i mean i we feel crazy at the end of the day right it's it's insane that we don't that the bigger enemy 
is so clearly white supremacy. Um, and yet the left and progressives are the one who, who, ones who get called anti-Semitic. And a fucking billionaire Nazi is allowed to take over one of the biggest social media platforms there is. Okay. No, no, no. That's cool. He just has like a massive platform now. But that's fine. I mean, it's the same thing with Donald Trump. Heaven forbid uh, a socialist get into the White House. Heaven forbid. Um, we much rather have fascism. So much safer. Good for business. I mean, at least there's clicks, there's eyeballs. So this is the one instance or, you know, one of the instances where I definitely stand with the ADL and I just, I'm just like, I, I don't even know how Elon gets away with all this shit. And mind you, I haven't even dug into the Ronan Farrow article. I know this is wrong of me, but it's just like, it's almost, it's just, it's kind of like, you don't, it's the thing you don't want to look under the hood of. And it seems that the reality and the takeaway of the Ronan Farrow article is that Elon Musk is far more powerful than just owning one of the biggest platform, social media platforms there is, although small in comparison to the others. It's that he actually has a lot of cachet within the government. He gets a lot of subsidies through SpaceX and Tesla and whatnot. Um, and he is, f again, far more powerful and has been treated like an official, a diplomat, a part of the government. This is what we do, people. This is what happens. When, you know, when we can't have anything nice in this country, we get Elon Musk. Anyway, that is what I'm bitching about. And with me to bitch, he's a comedian born in Detroit and living and performing in L.A. You may have seen him on HBO, Jimmy Kimmel Live or Adult Swim. He hosts the show Late for Work at the Hollywood Improv Theater. Go see him when you can. Please welcome Mateen Stewart. What up, though? What up, though? I'm Mateen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long time. I'm really happy to have you back on the show. Yeah, last time I was here, you didn't have a baby. I know. So long ago. Shit. Mm -hmm. Too long ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's 11 months like this week. Uh, and I'm many, many more months than that this week as well. So, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how are you and your baby? Oh, we're good. She's good. She'll be too. In a couple yeah. weeks, um, yeah, she actually, made an appearance on this show, yeah, because I had to, like, I was like being a dad while I was trying to uh do this, but no, she's at daycare right now, so yes. we're same safe, with mine, yeah, <sighs> guys. All new parents out there, daycare will come, and oh, yeah, then it will, it will be good, it, things will be, but not for a, a bit, but it will come, yeah. um. Yeah, I know. And yesterday was a day off. And we're like, oh, God, what do we do <laughs> with the kid yeah. all day foot yeah. long? But, Mateen, um, what, are you, what are you bitching about this Tuesday? It's been a while. What are you bitching about? Um, I, I, I don't, I'm bitching about a lot of things. Um, but it's so funny. The things that I want to bitch about are the things that we're actually going to talk about today. Really? Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. But I'm, I'm bitching. I'm going to bitch about my, uh, my fantasy football team. Uh, I'm a little mad that the players that I drafted are upset. They're hurt. Um, and I don't know why I take that personally, that they're hurt. Like, like you guys need to be playing for my fantasy football team. Okay. So, right, 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 right. You, so right. This is not, I don't know anything about fantasy football, but it's not like dreams where if you die in the dream, you die in real life. This is mm -hmm. real life that then is, you've created a dream off of. Mm -hmm. And when they get hurt in the real world, they do also get hurt in the fantasy world. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. That's Look messed at you. Up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you take it so personal. You take it so personal that these guys are like not playing because 
you know, your fantasy football team is going to suffer, not because they're they're injured or their family's worried about them. It, it's it's kind of weird, but it's also something I've been doing for so long. And it's, oh, yeah. it's such a, it's just a part of my life, especially when it's football season, which it is right now. So. Is there money involved? Yeah. So there's, so yeah, there's money involved. Yeah. How much? Like a couple thousand? So, no, no. So like 500? No, my, my teams, I have a couple, I have like three or four teams that I play on that I play with. So you like each one is. Thank you for like, clarifying that, that I play just, with that like I play action with. figures. Yeah. 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 Not um, on. <laughs> so it's like each team is like $150. So like $250 per team. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. And then so you that's... compete all season right. and then you can win prizes. So you, what about your bench? Don't you have like a bench? You can pull people up. I do, but injured? like your bench, but your bench is not, not your bench is like, just like a fill in this when they're have a bye week. Now you don't want to be playing your. But so then, okay, so it's and it's nothing but numbers and stats that determines whether or not you win the league. You don't like sit face to face like a tabletop game situation and like no, roll so dice. You put you you plug in your players, and then your players accumulate points on the day that they play. I and then you're going see. Depending on their performance team. that day. Yeah. So like each each different stat has a different point that they get or whatever. But then you you go against another team head to head and then you win that week whoever has the most points and then you you do that for 13 weeks and then there's a playoff and then yeah i feel like i don't want to ask too many questions because it'll start to like but so that's the problem is if you're benched players the players you're bringing up aren't actually playing in the real world then how are you ever going to accumulate points well yeah that's the thing you have to have you have to plug and play so like i have travis kelsey who got hurt today in practice so i'll have to find someone to replace him but if he's going to Travis Kelsey's going to give you 20 points. You're not going to find another tight end. That's going to give you 20 points. points. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. This is how I feel about like, I'm, I was into, I am into football, soccer. And I just, I think maybe this is the only thing I'm like, why didn't you, why are you injured on some dumb shit? Which is always the hamstrings. Why are they, why don't people stretch their fucking hammies? This is my thing. Yeah. This is like, um, like who is my favorite if el fideo which is what's his name you guys everybody help me out the argentine player but anyway he would always injure his like he'd be out and the hamstring is such a dumb injury because it lasts for way too long yeah and and, you can't do anything without it it just it just feels like you have a knife in it yes 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 yeah. yes and yet i feel like if you just stretched it a little, but i know it's more complicated than that but just stretch your hammies everyone should right now do it Stretch some hammies, baby. I'll stretch your hammies. I'm that old lady that when I go on like walks or like I'm in the airport or something, I'll like find something to stretch my hammies on and just sort of lean in, you know, like <laughs> like an old do you, lady. Do you ever lift? You ever do you do you lift weights or anything? Wow, that thank you for even asking me that question. No, no, because I, I have a machine at the gym that you can use to stretch the curl, the legs curl, no, the leg Ooh. curl to strengthen your hammies. Oh yeah, it's all about strengthening too. I forgot. Yeah. I forget about that. No, yeah. I I'm I've skipped leg leg day for um years now actually. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, let's get into the week because there's plenty more to bitch about. There's a lot let's of things. Bitch. I don't know where we want to go with this. What we want to start with? Let's just start with. Let's start fun. Um. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is the week where. So this is, was the week where massive rains descended onto Burning Man, uh, the annual music and art festival in the desert and the place mm-hmm. that got at least five STIs. Uh, one of them was uh, thinking that you like dubstep, which is definitely an infection. Um, now, Burning Man is usually hot and dry and dusty, which is why I stay away from it completely. Um, mm-hmm. 
but not this year. No, 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 no. Uh, it was wet. Uh, lots of rain led to mudslides. Uh, 70,000 people were trapped for days in Black Rock Desert. Um, Burning Man has also, though, like been different lately. Because so when I saw it, you're like, who cares? Like everyone has their own little airstream. Because Burning mm -hmm. Man has been like a bunch of techies and VCs you know, going to like microdose and think about like, you know, whose idea they can steal for the next, you know, useless app that will completely destroy some major American industry. Um, so that's, that's what it's been. But you know, uh, I there's also normal people I know good people who still go. Here's a little bit more about it. Um, the organization, there's even a CEO of Burning Man, which is very funny. Um, Tell, told attendees to shelter in place on Saturday when it announced that access into and out of the site was closed for the remainder of the evening, which runs from August 27th through September 4th. Only emergency vehicles were allowed to pass, conserve food, water, and fuel, and shelter in a warm, safe space. The statement urged those stuck in the desert. For those of you who don't know, again, Burning Man started in 86 as a small gathering in San Francisco, but now celebrities, tech moguls, social media influencers are common attendees. This year's price started at $575, which is a lot for like not having Beyonce or Kendrick Lamar there. You know, um, I spent less than that on my Beyonce tickets. Uh, this weekend's events were weren't the first time the entrance had been blocked at the year's festival. A group of climate protesters caused miles of gridlock at the start of the event. So this is just fun and kind of interesting. So there was a group of climate protesters um, with Extinction Rebellion and Rave Revolution. I guess they're called Seven Circles. And they're basically like, you guys cause massive amounts of carbon emissions mm -hmm. and waste. Now, the pre, the, 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 um, what is it? The slogan of Burning Man is like, leave no trace. Like, bring all your dirt with you. Or dirt. Mm -hmm. Bring the dirt. Bring your dirt, trash. Yeah. Don't. Exactly. But getting to Burning Man itself, people are taking jets, people are taking, you know, whatever, five, mm -hmm. 15 wheelers or whatever those ones are. They're taking like their cars and they're in traffic for a long, long, long time. So these guys were like, you should ban private jets, single use plastic, unnecessary propane burning, unlimited generation generator use per capita. Yeah. Um, calls for the organization to mobilize its members to initiate systemic change. But basically just ban the PJs. Ban the private jets. Ban yeah. the lowest. That that's what they want. Now apparently, this protest was sort of weirdly got cleared by like tribal police because they, this is part, I think, part tribal land. So tribal mm -hmm. police were like, "Go away, stop!" And some the protesters were like, "Oh God, well, you guys are supposed to be our allies in climate change when it comes to this." So like, yeah. but I guess we'll listen to the in indigenous folks of this land. So anyway, that being said, though, there was there was like you know, massive traffic in and out. Um, the, there were muddy roads. Uh, there was, it took five, uh, seven hours to drive five miles. Wow. Um, that's like the four or five. <laughs> oh my God. Don't even tell me. I went on that this weekend. This is a photo of uh, Diplo and Chris Rock, however, getting out of Burning Man. They decided to leave. And Chris Rock? Chris Rock. That's Chris Rock with the blonde, with the blonde hair. I believe so. This or Diplo and Chris isn't pictured. Maybe Chris Rock is the guy in the red hoodie in the back there. But Diplo tweeted, "Just walked five miles in the mud out of Burning Man with Chris Rock, and a fan picked us up." Yeah, because that's West. Well, West from Daytona. Uh, that's that's Diplo, right here with the on the left. Yeah, if Chris Rock dyed his hair blonde, I mean, I guess that's the thing. <laughs>
I mean, look, he's, you know, there, there's multiple midlife crises. He's earned it. You know, after that slap. After that slap? Yeah. He, Best thing know. that happened to him, man. Hey. <laughs> but so, yeah, thoughts on these. Okay, no. Before we get your, well, here. Before we get your thoughts, I wanted mm -hmm. to say that the right has some thoughts on this. Here is Marjorie Taylor Greene, Representative Marjorie Greene on Alex Jones and the two of them, let's watch this. The two of them can't decide whether the Burning Man floods were an act of God or an act of the left sabotaging the yeah. the uh, festival in order to prove a point about climate change. They're both trying to go in different directions. So take a look. We are watching, uh, you know, from a distance, there are approximately like 73 or 75,000 people in, in Nevada. And, and they're locked in there from floods. And I'm yes. glad, I, I, I was going to raise that. They literally did a mock sacrifice and all. First of all, shut up, Alex. She's making a point. <laughs> they did a mock <laughs> sacrifice. This is, this is what you're calling the burning of the of Burning Man at the end. Here we go. They literally did a mock sacrifice and all this, and then it flooded with these tornadoes. And it was, sorry, go ahead. Well, you know, God has a way of, of making sure everyone knows who God is. I'll say that about that. But let's talk about what is happening. <laughs> What does that mean? God is a way of making sure everyone knows who God is. So, yeah, this is the point. First of all, if you're listening to this, Marjorie Green and Alex Jones are virtually the same exact person. They have the yeah, same build. The same. Yeah. They dress the same. One is like ruffles on her sleeves and blonde hair. And that's the only difference between these two are just sort of like two sides of the coin. It's, it's like very like the Adam Sandler movie, Jack and Jill, which I did not see, mm -hmm. but like I'm getting those vibes. So, okay, so he's saying act of God, here she goes. I'll say that about that, but let's talk about what is happening to these people. So there's, there's 73, 75,000 people in Nevada desert right now at this burning man, they're locked in, they're not allowed to leave. And they're basically probably being brainwashed that climate change is the cause of all of it. Well, the, 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 the root of all evil, and it's going to destroy the earth. And they're they're feeling the panic and the, the media is saying that. Oh, this yes. is because you didn't know about climate change. Yes. So what's going to happen, Alex? It's the if same thing. Same way known. they launch any kind of movement after this is over and Burning Man and these seventy-five thousand people disperse and they go back home. They're going to have these stories to tell and how terrible it is and how we have to do everything possible to stop climate change. It's caused by humans and it's carbon, and it's the amount of carbon that we put out. It's manufacturing. It's our it's our gas and diesel engines. It's it's you know agriculture. I mean AOC wants to get rid of cattle. First of all, the best thing about Marjorie Green is she actually understands what causes climate change. She just listed, and they're gonna tell us that like the rapid warming ever since the industrial age uh, has meant an increase in carbon, and then you got methane, which is actually twenty times uh, more capturing in terms of carbon mm -hmm. uh, when you release in the atmosphere, and has a half life of uh, five hundred million years. Like she's just like knows everything about it, and it's all a hoax. Like, and AOC wants to ban cattle. Remember when AOC was like, we need a Green New Deal and a ban cattle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so she's almost people, she, man. Oh. She's almost done. The, the, we're coming oh. full circle here. Even even population, we have too many humans putting out too much carbon. You're going to start hearing all this stuff, and this is going to build. And I believe this is the left's new lie they're going to put on the American people 
and try to get everyone behind and create it to where, remember AOC and the left and many others said that the, the earth is going to literally explode in a ball of fire. We're going to all die. It's going to be the end of the world. I do remember that. But this is what they're brainwashing people to believe. No. <laughs> it was all a plan. The only, yeah. like, the only conspiracy of Burning people. Man, yeah. the only good conspiracy of Burning Man is that Burning Man is fun. Like, that's yeah. the conspiracy, is that this is worth your fucking time, uh, mm. and you should absolutely spend $575 plus hundreds more, of dollars. It's like, it's like a, it's like a $3,000 to $4,000 commitment. It's, I think Burning Man is such an exercise of white privilege. I don't care if you're not white and you go, that's still white privilege. If you can go... To Burning Man, that's white privilege. Like just, just to be uncomfortable, so you could just go do drugs and fuck strangers and. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Tr again, and we are going to talk about border crossings. Like, imagine willingly going to a desert and mm -hmm. like having just to being struggle. covered in dust yeah. and struggling. Nobody wants to go there. Um, no, look, I, I know. I know people who go to Burning Man and I know people who form like the the people of color like caucus or, you know, the, mm -hmm. the crew at Burning Man, which I think is great. I think that's really important. Um, but it's just very much not for me. And in the mud. Oh, hell no. So this is a question because we're going to talk about would you, wouldn't you. But would you leave at that point? Would you try to leave walking miles in the mud or would you just hang? I don't know. Natural disasters freak me out, bro. So I would just get out of there because like that. That's one thing like you can't control. Like a natural disaster is undefeated. Like no one has ever been able to stop a natural disaster. So for me, I would have tried to. I would have tried to evacuate. Myself. I think I might have done that, but then I would probably be like, just do a little more acid and hang. You know, like just like be in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Stay in your body. Again, listen to the dubstep. The beats are sick. They keep they keep going. And yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, I don't know what I would have done. I would have had this whole like, but Francesca, you came here to get out of your head. You know, now you're in your head, but like, you're in your head about it. Just stay put. Everything's fine. And it mm. seems like everything was fine. It seems like people other than the amount of like traffic. And again, the one person who died, which we don't know. How I'm pretty sure. So don't people die every year? That's what I was like, does someone does the wrong cocktail of like Molly and DMT mm -hmm. or like some shit and then, and, and like trip forever. And then they just go. Um, but yeah, uh, there, there were some fun people who were there. Um, Neil Katyal was there. He's a lawyer who appears on MSNBC often, mm. um, corporate lawyer. Uh, I think even a former Republican, if I'm not, mm. uh, uh, hang on. Oh, he was in the Obama administration. Um, also Lee Fung was in there. And if you don't know who that is, he's like, a, he, he's a, um, a journalist with, uh, the intercept who made a very f quick right wing, uh, heel turn. So, uh, fuck that guy. I don't give a shit. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, man, he, he's terrible. When my, my friend was killed in Oakland, this is a, an aside. He was basically like, yeah, she was killed because she believed in, uh, reforming the police. And, and I was just like, you can, you can. You can go away forever, my my dude. Mm. Um, anyway, so that's fun. A uh, little petty on my part, but uh, yeah. So, so no, that's Burning justified. Man. It's justified. That's Burning Man. Let's uh, let's move on to our second story, though. We got to mm -hmm. do this. We got to get into this uh, because this was also the week where, um, you know, Joe Biden. He's trying. He's trying. Uh, he announced ten drugs. 
that will be eligible for price negotiations under Medicare as part of the Inflation Reduction Act. And sadly for the Senate, Cialis didn't make the cut. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. So sad. Now, maybe you're not over 65 if you're listening. Maybe you don't use any meds. Congratulations. Uh, But the price changes will potentially help 50 million Americans right now. 9 million seniors pay as much as $6,500 a month for out-of-pocket costs. Uh, Medicare pays twice as much as the VA for its meds. The VA can negotiate prices. Medicare cannot. Mm. Um, So those are some important things. Here's the drugs that did make the cut, though. A lot of Eliquis, Jardins, Zarelto. So we got diabetes, blood clotting, heart failure, autoimmune conditions, cancer, um psoriasis and arthritis diabetes um all good all stuff that a lot of seniors do struggle with now i, now, I, I like how these names all look like bands at Lollapalooza. oh yeah <laughs> this is this is the burning man for seniors Nubia. like if you're older, yeah. <laughs> o- over 65 you're like fuck yeah you you check out the the genuvia tent were you there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were at the Yeah, yeah. Stellara was fire. Um, (laughs) and my psoriasis was not. Um, so (laughs) over on the right, you can see just how much Medicare spends in the billions. Eliquis blood clotting drug from Mm. Pfizer, 16.5 billion dollars is spent on that through Medicare. So, like, again, this is all you know, all coming from. Other than the military, one of the biggest things that the government spends money on, the thing that Republicans hate, which is Medicare, which is great. Healthcare, it should be good. But this is hugely cost saving. And it's been that we've been we've been gouged for so many years. Um, uh, Just to give you a sense of how much we've been gouged, um, the Medicare and Medicaid services spent fifty point five billion dollars between June 2022 and May 30 um the end of may 2023 on these wow. ted drugs 50 billion dollars like one year. year yeah one year so oh, this is about 20 percent of the total cost of drugs in the medicare prescription drug program known as part d and of course they're not going to be free they're not going to be they might not be as cheap as the vas but at least it's like the ability to negotiate so um, these people so old people older seniors won't be they won't they won't have to pay as much Exactly. I do think it'd be okay. funny if we left the negotiating to them. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's just a fair going price? Pharmacists. And we're like, come on. You know. What's a, uh, what's a fair price for 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 your life, though? I mean, this. this I mean, honestly, ten dollars a bottle, at, if yeah. that. Yeah. Um. But but yet, even though this is just negotiations, big pharma's super mad. This is just the last. This this summer. All right. Merck sues U.S. government to halt Medicare drug pricing negotiation. Novartis sues U.S. government over Medicare drug pricing regulation. Humana sues U.S. government to block Medicare clawback rule. AstraZeneca sues U.S. government over drug price reforms. So they're mad. How um, much money do you need, bro? Like, literally, how much? I think about that all the time when, like, where people are so greedy and, like, everything. Like, if we don't have people, if we don't have a planet, like, what the fuck does it matter if you have all the money? Exactly. I mean, it, you you can Burning Man, you, you, exactly. You can only buy so many airstreams and tents there. Yeah. <laughs> but again, and uh, we will the, to quote uh, the head of the UAW, which we're going to talk about that next week. Who may be going on strike very soon? It's uh, he said so. Some other asshole can shoot themselves to the moon. 
Like that's pretty mm-hmm. much what it is. It's like, oh, so you can have your Mars project. That's what we're all doing here. That's it was it's board money. That's how yeah. much money is just board money. Um, but it's a huge step in the right direction. Uh, here's Ro Khan actually speaking on MSNBC about these drug prices. From Paul Ryan, the Republicans have been railing against the cost of Medicare, the cost of Medicare, the cost of deficits. They've done nothing about it. Joe Biden is the first president who says, "Okay, let's reduce the cost of Medicare. You know how you reduce the cost? You go after the excessive fees. One of the excessive costs is pharmaceuticals. They're making billions of dollars of profits. It's going into stock buybacks and shareholders. The American people are getting fleeced. And President Biden is saying, no, we're going to stop it. We're going to negotiate. We're going to have Americans pay the same price as places other uh, other countries around the world pay. And you know who was for this, actually? Donald Trump. What's the difference? Yes. Joe Biden actually delivered what Donald Trump was talking about. Mm. And he's not lying. I just look back. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> 2016, Trump campaigned on this. He campaigned yeah. that he was going to lower med prices for seniors. He met with pharma lobbyists weeks after he was inaugurated, and he thought, no. Nah, any kind of price negotiation would, quote, hurt smaller, younger companies, the smaller, younger billionaires. It'll hurt them. <laughs> um, so he instead he decided for the Trump tax cuts, one trillion, one point one trillion dollars, uh, which, by the way, speaking of private jets, you could write off your private jet under those tax cuts. So, Mateen, I know you took though. advantage of that loophole. Yeah, I do. I, I got my private jet in the back. You know. Can you got also- up. My question is, can you also write off the photo sessions that make it look like you're in a private jet? You know, those mm. ones for like the Instagram. You should be able to. <laughs> right? Yeah. Do something same for job the people. That's what we get. That's like the reform we want. We don't just want private mm-hmm. jets written off. We want the people pretending they own a private jet or flying one. Mm-hmm. That should be written off as well. Um, and here was Biden then, like I was saying, in, on Labor Day, a uh, little bit of shade, little shade thrown at Donald Trump. We also passed the bipartisan infrastructure law. You can't have the strongest economy in the world with a second rate infrastructure. Can you believe we used to have the best infrastructure in the world? And then we fell to number 13 in the world, roads, bridges, entered the whole deal. 13, the United States of America, 13th in the world. But guess what? Guess what? The great real estate builder, the last guy here, he didn't build a damn thing. Under my predecessor, Infrastructure Week became a punchline. On my watch, infrastructure has been a decade and it's a headline. Mm, Stick that landing. He's so old. He is so old. Oh man, I just I just see your fire marshal Beal from Living Color, Jim Carrey. First of all, he's perfect for the job. He's a perfect age for this job. All right. Did he stick that landing? Yes, he did. It wasn't a punchline, it's a headline. Zing, (laughs) baby. He's got it. Um, no, look, this is good. And uh um I at least there's a little bit of you know, he's gonna, they're gonna, Mateen, are you ready for another Trump Biden debate? Uh, no, I, I don't want to see that, but <laughs> I mean, we'll see if Trump oh, is, oof. I hate this phrase, but if he's man enough, do you know what I'm saying? Cause he, he's, he's, 
He skipped the GOP primary debates. You know, that's fine. But is he going to back down? If I were Biden, I challenge him to a debate. Or maybe they just both like sit on a rocking chair and like a porch and like drink. Well, I want to see them arm wrestle, bro. Come on. I want to come on. Let's make oh, it. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I don't want that because Trump would win. Yeah. Do you know how much strength like just pure bigotry gives you? You just, yeah. ooh, it's like superhuman. <laughs> um, racism, it just gives you crazy strength. Uh, anyway, w- why don't we move on? Let me bring in uh, for the sitch. Let me get his proper. He is a professor at UC Santa Cruz researching the intersection of medical anthropology, public health, and Latinx and Latin American studies. He's currently developing his first manuscript tentatively titled Captive States, Migration, and Expulsion on the Carceral Frontier. That is an academic headline (laughs) if I ever heard one. Carlos Martinez, what's up? Hey, Hey, Freddie Field. Hey, Mateen. Good to be here. So good to have you here. Incredible to be back on the podcast site. I can't believe I was your inaugural guest on on this show. I don't understand how that happened. That must have been a mistake, but really, really glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> it was you, me, and NATO. We're like, you're smart. You're our friend. Let's do this. No, no, no. It wasn't NATO. It was Matt. Oh, it was yeah. Matt? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Yay. And it was in your home. Yeah. Which it was in my house. Right. <laughs> it still is, indeed. Oh, I've gone. We've come a long way. Now I'm in a different home, yeah. but in my home. Um, Carlos, you've been up to a lot since the last time we spoke. And I want to get into some of the stuff you've been researching and specifically like what is happening on the border. But but first, in terms of Republicans, you know, we had the debate among the people who are not Trump, uh, trying to out-Trump Trump. Uh, and the latest thing that not just the Republicans there, but also Trump and Marjorie Green and others. The latest thing is we have to invade Mexico. Right. This is the new this is the new line. It's not enough to build a wall. We got to invade Mexico. Mm. And because we're going to stop the fentanyl crisis. Right. right. Um, thoughts. Do you have notes on that plan? No, Just I don't a little... have any thoughts on that. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, of course, we have to invade Mexico. It's like, you know, there's like a, a stopwatch, like, you know, like a timer on this, right? Like, we have to always like, you know, kind of reinvade Mexico after every few years or something, right? Um, <laughs> right and and right. for some new sort of reason, right? And, and now the reason, of course, is, is fentanyl. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's completely uh, absurd, uh, you know, and but it's a perfect talking point for the Republican Party, uh, you know, plays into all kinds of things, longstanding xenophobia, longstanding anti-Mexican st- sentiment, right? More The moral panic mm-hmm. and drug panic that we're in right now around fentanyl, which of course is real. Fentanyl, the fentanyl overdose crisis is a very real crisis. Um, but um, like we've done over the last, you know, several decades, right? Uh, we are once again trying to uh, place blame uh, you know, elsewhere and uh, approach this issue in a militaristic way uh, instead of, Mm -hmm. you know, doing some really basic kind of public health interventions, right? Thinking about how do we actually help people who are using substances, who are experiencing addiction, right? Uh, No, Mm -hmm. the easier uh, option is to bomb the hell out of Latin America, basically, which has been a longstanding tradition in the war on drugs, right? Um, So I think, we, you know, we talk a lot about the war on drugs these days, how harmful it's been in the United States, mass incarceration. A lot of times people forget about how harmful it's been in Latin America, right? And this is like, you know, uh, the thing is, is like, 
this isn't a new thing. Like we already invaded Mexico, <laughs> essentially. That you know, remember the Medida Initiative, right? Uh, the U.S. Mm, has essentially yeah. invaded Mexico with arms, uh, with guns, with funding uh, to supposedly combat cartels uh, to the tune of like three billion dollars uh, since two thousand six, right? And that's like uh, just the latest. More, more recent version, right? Before that, it was Plan Colombia, right? To try to combat cocaine trafficking from Colombia. And that was like $11 billion, right? That the U.S. sent, uh, along with arms and soldiers and, you know, all that kind of stuff to stop the flow of cocaine. And how's mm -hmm. that? You know? <laughs> no, and the craziest thing, I let's stick with the fentanyl stuff, right? And it is, you're right, a serious uh, epidemic. And we've talked about on this program how it can, it is largely DEA created um, and also, you know, sort of an overreaction to the clampdown on overprescription of opioids. Um, but a lot of people have been turning to street fentanyl. And then also um, the ways it is unregulated. Anyway, without getting into all that, but like the production of fentanyl is happening in the United States by Americans. The idea, the fentanyl, maybe pure fentanyl could be coming across the border, but I guess just like, like case in point, you know, in terms of how wrongheaded they are about this, it's like, it's not like the migrants uh, that, especially like the women and children that you continue to demonize. Right, right. Well, so yes, I mean, some fentanyl, of course, is being produced in Mexico, as you know, you see kind of the um, ingredients are being trafficked trafficked often from China and things like that. And of course, this all plays into this kind of xenophobic stuff as well, very well. Um, yeah. But um, who's bringing it into the United States, right? So this is the whole thing is that the Republican Party has been trying to argue that it's immigrants, that it's all these asylum seekers at the border that are bringing in the fentanyl. Uh, sure. How about actually like 87% of the fentanyl that's been, uh, you know, found by CBP at the border has been brought in by U.S. citizens, right? Um, like most of it that's is brought, part. right? So what's that? I said that, that part, part, that part. And it's being brought in through U.S. ports of entry, not like, you know, being encountered like kind of in the desert and things like that. I mean, uh, migrants and asylum seekers are just trying to get asylum, right? Like that's what they're, they're not um, trying to sneak in fentanyl, right? And, and, and the cartels uh, obviously are much smarter than that, right? They're going to use U.S. citizens to try to do this um, instead of, right. uh, you know, uh, you know, some migrant that can easily be encountered and found, you know, trying to cross, right? And and not only that, of course, it's also... And they won't be able to carry right. that anyway. <laughs> like, yeah, just bringing like... in a car be much easier, believe me, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. 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 No. And you point out you write often for like uh, the Chronicle and other well and independent publications. I know you've had some critiques of the Chronicle's coverage specifically on um, like the idea that migrants are the only ones selling drugs. But um, you you basically you point out like people who are seeking asylum often will turn themselves in because they want to seek asylum. They're like, I want to go through this through the proper channels now that I'm on this side of the border. So it would make no sense for those same people to somehow all be drug mules right. and to say nothing of Mateen, the fact that it would be incredibly ineffective. Yeah, ineffective <laughs> at all. That's right, exactly. Um, the profit margin would suck. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Can I remind everyone, we talked about this, of the San Jose uh, former head of the, what it was the San Jose like police union? Right. Some blonde woman <laughs> uh, named Joanne. Joanne, 
was the one who was actually sending fentanyl in the mail, y'all. <laughs> right, Joanne. Yeah, there's a lot of Joannes as well. She's not the only Joanne <laughs> that's doing this. In fact, uh, you know, CBP uh, is notorious for having officers who are very much implicated in trafficking of fentanyl. Just, I believe, last year they, you know, caught one a ten-year CBP veteran of the CBP officer, you know, with trafficking tons of fentanyl over the years. Right? I mean, this is like actually a major issue within the CBP that you don't ever hear reported about or discussed, of course, because it gets a little complicated, right? When we start when we start talking about this stuff, right? But it's you know, it's it's yeah. in the DNA of these organizations as well. I mean, this is drug money is corrupting, right? I mean, didn't we learn this from the prohibition of alcohol, right? <laughs> I mean, right, like, right, right, right. Um, so. I'm gonna stop people from drinking. Right, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, no. we're unfortunately- It led to the rise or strengthening of the mob. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and okay, so then we talk, you know, on this issue, especially both of these issues, the intersection of the drug crisis and the border crisis or, you know, like the lack of a real immigration policy and the lack of asylum currently, like it's an issue where Republicans and Democrats are truly just a few shades of difference. I mean, maybe even one, maybe even just a little hair of difference. Right. Um, yeah, it's unfortunately. Yeah. Different. So yeah. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just give me your thoughts, because we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but uh, with Erica Andiola, but in terms of. Biden continuing Trump's border policies and using this new app called the CBP one app, like, you know, is there an argument to be made that because it's reduced crossings that like, like PR wise, it's a good thing? Or what do you just what do you make of Biden's approach? I mean, certainly, sure. PR wise, it is a great thing for the Biden administration because, you know, their approach to this issue, I think, has been to try to essentially make asylum seekers disappear, right? <laughs> um, like, you know, they don't want asylum seekers to be seen um, trying to cross the border because of course, um, you know, this is what uh, Democrats are always being criticized for by Republicans. But the solution to this has then been to essentially try to make asylum uh, even more difficult to try to access, right? Um, instead of, for example, putting more resources into having people uh, support the processing of migrants who want to request asylum yes, um, right, to actually make it a more orderly process, a more fair process, a more transparent process. Um, you know, the approach is, um, yeah, we're going to make you guys, you know, fill out this ridiculously long application on your phone um, to try to get an appointment like three months from now um, after you've already like maybe traveled how many miles to escape um, whatever thing that you're often that you're trying to escape, which is in many cases a life-threatening situation, um, and in many cases people try to um, you know uh, follow you and you know um, do bad things to you. Um, it's so um, mm -hmm. if you're around and if you're around in three months, right. if you're yeah. okay in three right. months, exactly. So um, you know it's um, it's a it's a great PR victory um, at the cost of uh, the lives of migrants and asylum seekers, right? Unfortunately, um, who are still um, facing the same things that they faced uh, before the introduction of this new app and, thing, and these new kind of policies. And, and and bear in mind that you know also the other thing, right, is that. Um, the Biden administration is brought back from the dead, um, you know, Trump's kind of what uh, has been referred to as the third country ban, right? Where like mm -hmm. basically uh, making it so that if you 
happened to travel through a third through another country before arriving to this Mexico border. So any of the Central American countries, for example, um, or you know, um, or, or even Mexico, and you didn't try to request asylum in that country, you're now allowed to request asylum in the U.S. Right? Which it's, it's, so it's totally unrealistic. Uh, oh. Trump tried to implement this. It was shot down by this by um, you know several courts, um, and now Biden has brought it back. Actually, so which is really that's strange. also being shot down by courts. The right. same, I believe, the same judge right. was like, "No, nah, it doesn't look good on <laughs> you either." Um, <laughs> which is, you know, we'd have to truly change the laws if yeah. what the wish of Republicans and some Democrats is to just get rid of the right to an asylum right. Uh, or right to asylum. Um, and mind you, like, of course, like, you know, this isn't like, I think people often get confused, like, what we're talking about is even giving people the right to request asylum, right? This is all this right. is for, right? Not even, this isn't even promising people the ability that they will be given asylum, right? That's a whole other process. This is just giving people the opportunity to, to just ask for it, to go through the process to, to demonstrate that they deserve asylum, right? That they have a situation that requires right. that, you know? There's a yeah, we've been kind of on this topic for a while and it's it's been it's been very eye opening and interesting, you know, like we had Lovato on recently uh, last yes, week and uh, we talked about, you know, this clampdown in El Salvador in uh, from Bukele, right. the president. Um, who's kind of going like zero tolerance, scorched earth, locking up anyone who might be suspected, could be, has a tattoo, I don't know, is involved in a gang. And even, you know, I'm just going to be real with you, someone who watches this show um, said that they visited El Salvador and it felt really safe and it mm -hmm. felt a lot better. Yeah. Um, and there were a lot of, you know, sort of like anecdotal people saying that. So it's just... Yeah, I was um, just there myself in July. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and did you notice a difference of the sort of... Or did people yeah. talk to you about how they are afraid of being incarcerated or in themselves? Yeah, yeah, it varies, right? I mean, some people are uh, certainly very afraid. And of course, there's a movement of people um, whose uh, family members have been taken without any sort of charges brought against them and put into prisons, um, you know, who, you know, it doesn't appear that there's, that they're members of gangs necessarily. There's like uh, neighbors who are char or you're like, you know, maybe have a beef with like their family and are saying like, you know, right. it's like, uh, you know, right, say, he's right, a right. gang member and like things like that are happening. Right. Um, and um, on the other hand, yeah, like you said, I mean, uh, he's unfortunately wildly, um, you know, popular. Uh, fascism has a tendency to be popular in certain scenarios. Um, and, um, it, and it works well in the short term. Right. In the sense that I'm um, sure mm -hmm. you lock away uh, thousands of people um, and uh, some of whom are actually involved with, you know, kind of. MS-13 kind of organizations like that that have perpetrated violence um, and that in the short term, sure, that sounds like it's great. And, the, you know, the, I think at the cost of what? Nothing bad happens when you lock a bunch of <laughs> like sort of uh, people with, uh, you know, no gang affiliation or like economically sort of um, struggling. No gang is ever formed inside right. of a prison. Exactly. We all know exactly. that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to come out like the super MS-13. Right, right. They're going to be like MS-26. Exactly. Does that already exist? <laughs> you know, just like right. this is – it's just the same. Yeah, the, the root causes have not been addressed right. at all. The lack of jobs or security or the climate chaos right. or all, all the other reasons that people are even pushed into that, you know, narco work you know in general exactly. um yeah. 
But but let's go back. Sorry, sorry. And Mateen, feel free to jump in wherever. And I apologize. Mm -hmm. I, um, but when for your research, you spent a lot of time in Tijuana and you talk about like both the public health crisis and also the immigration, you know, breakdown at the border. Mm -hmm. um, you talk to, I believe, a lot of homeless people, people who are uh, um, addicts, also migrants. Now, thanks to a lot of these uh, denying people asylum, there are just people waiting on the Mexico side mm -hmm. and on the Guatemalan side, but on the Mexico side of the mm -hmm. border. Just what is it like yeah. there? What is this like forgotten land? Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I think what I try have, have tried to do my research is really look at what's happening to two different communities of people at the border um, that are have arrived at the border in very different ways, but are both kind of stuck there, right? So on the one hand, asylum mm -hmm. seekers, right, who are often coming from either the interior of Mexico or elsewhere in the world, right, um, who because of all these policies that the Trump administration has implemented and then now the Biden administration has implemented are basically stuck in these border cities for months, if not years, right? Um, and then on the other hand, um, you know, I spent a lot of time, as you said, with um, uh, homeless folks, many of whom were folks who have been deported, actually, from the US. So these are Mexican nationals mm. who were deported um, from the United States back to border cities. Oftentimes, you know, Tijuana has uh, receives the, the the highest percentage of deportees from the United States and the entire hemisphere, actually. Um, and so, really? yeah, okay. so, so people often think of Tijuana as like the deportee capital of the Americas, right? Um, and so it was a really heavy and fascinating place to spend some time, especially these last few years where we've had these kinds of different flows of communities arriving and then, you know, of course, totally experiencing different realities, but then both sort of essentially, you know, this is where I talk about this, you know, very academic uh, idea of the carceral frontier, right, where they're imprisoned at the border, where the border itself has sort of become a prison landscape mm -hmm. for them. And so for, for deportees, the issue there is that these are folks, again, like I said, who are Mexican, but in many cases have spent most of their lives in the United States. Um, are folks right. who have often gone, gone through the criminal justice system of the United States um, and then return as deportees with a tremendous amount of stigma, right? And um, oftentimes mm. that stigma... Return to Mexico right. with, with the stigma of having been right. deported and also right. having right. not lived in this country exactly. for exactly. decades. Exactly. And don't know the right. culture. Some, some don't even exactly. know the language. Exactly. And then end up homeless, right? Uh, because they don't have familial networks oftentimes at the places they're deported to. And then what happens? You know, they're actually being... Um, often uh, kind of uh, targeted by the police because they're easy victims. And crime rate Yeah, well, up. you know, and then, of course, you know, folks, it's easy and desirable to uh, use drugs in that context, I would say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, of course. You know, and so folks are then targeted um, by police very frequently and are, um, you know, they're easy victims of policing in, in, in Tijuana and other border cities. And so, um, you know, those are sort of the, some of the dynamics that, that I looked at. And I think, you know, um, something, a thread that sort of runs through a lot of this, I, I realized later was... Um, the ways in which kind of the war, war on drug policies really intersect with immigration in a lot of ways that we don't always think about. So, you know, yeah. um, uh, a lot of the sound seekers that are, that are fleeing countries is because they're fleeing, um, you know, uh, kind of drug war situations, right? Whether that's, you're talking about yeah. Honduras or then, in, in, you know, in the interior of Mexico, um, these are folks who are fleeing kind of cartel violence in many cases, right? 
um, and with deportees, you know, in many cases, folks are being deported still in very large numbers for drug-related, uh, you know, uh, kind of crimes, right? For, for just possessing mm-hmm. even drugs, right? Um, and then, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, uh, border cities being what they are, places for trafficking drugs, there's a wide abundance of drugs available. Um, and then, and so, you know, like I said, it sort of becomes something that, um, it, an easy way to escape the realities that, you're, that you've been placed in. And, um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the you know the like move, zooming out to the policy stuff. I just before we I let you go like, or, or I have two more questions. But one of them is like the this is such a Gordian knot. I want to use that phrase because of like drug policies, you know, in U.S. foreign policy, and then like and border policies that you're talking about. And we've talked about you know, um, Yoan Grillo, mm-hmm. who writes all about like narco violence and. His last book, I think he's got a new book out, but was like um, about the the Iron River, mm-hmm. he calls it, of yes. guns flowing, not just legally through the plans that you talked right. about, but illicitly right. from, I mean, I don't know, Mateen, if you've been on the border, but there are so many gun stores and yeah. like people buy guns and then bring them down, you know, into mm-hmm. Mexico and they flow again, this iron river flow. And they, that fuels a lot of that narco violence too. But I guess with everything so like intertwined, what, what's the loosest piece for you? <laughs> is it funding more immigration courts? Is it changing immigration policy? Is it easing, you know, the drug war? Mm-hmm. Is it legalizing certain substances that would drastically like, where, where do you see like the next Peace loosening, if it could. Um, all of the above, can I say? <laughs> you know, yeah, but say, can I have all yeah. of the above? Just throwing it at the wall. Yeah, know? yeah, all those sound great. You know, friend, if you for president, please. Um, yeah, um, no, I mean, really, um, it's it, it, we do have to work at you know all those levels, right? Because as you said, this is a knot, right? That's being caused by. Uh, an array of punitive po- policies, right? Of, of policies that are out to punish people that are not, you know, set up for humans, right? To in, in, in the complexity of human lives. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the war on drugs, I think, has been one of the most disastrous kind of set of policies, again, not just for the United States, um, but for drugs is under right. And for the entire region, exactly. Yeah. Drugs have won at every they're, time. They're still strong. They're right. winning. Exactly. Yeah. Funny how that happens. <laughs> and so, you know, we've uh the war on drugs has always been about approaching this through you know kind of uh what we you know talk about is the supply side right sort of trying to reduce the supply the production the the trafficking of drugs and that has obviously been a complete and total failure and will continue to be whenever there is you know a market a demand for drugs there will continue to be drugs flowing right i mean that's just the reality that we have to contend with and the U.S. government is responsible for bringing exactly. It in. I mean, well, it, absolutely, <laughs> and that's been a part of the history as well up till now, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is is the U.S.'s mm-hmm. own role in all of this? Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I think the war on drugs has really been much more about um, U.S. hegemony in the region. It hasn't been about actually trying to stop the flow of drugs, and I think that's becoming clear now for a lot of people, right? It's about U.S. power. It's about uh, bringing. It's mm-hmm. about selling more guns. It's about right. Yeah. Um, Selling military training exactly. and just sort of making sure these these countries are under our thumb militaristically. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fear mongering. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think of it as a like drug war imperialism, right? And we hear, you know, Don Paley talks yeah. about drug war capitalism. I think this, you know, it's, there's also this drug war imperialism thing happening as well. That, 
Right. That's so ineffective and so clearly led to the amount of blowback, like the creation of gangs, like we just sort of spiral out and we, it gets worse and worse. And the drug war just becomes, it's like Republican candidates. They become sort of even just more cartoonish and more ridiculous versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what happens on the border to the point where you have like, you know, yeah, Greg Abbott rolling out, you know, buoys with razor wire on them. It's just like, we we are literal cartoons at this point. Like there's just a fucking wily coyote Looney Tunes. Type right. Shit. Whereas people like him, you know, like, you know, have made it very difficult to do any kind of real work around addressing issues of substance use and addiction and overdose, right? Like, you know, where uh, Narcan is still very difficult to access in many places, you know, something that can, a medication mm. that can reverse opioid um, overdose, right? Um, or, you know, fentanyl testing strips, right? Like giving people the chance to actually test their drug to see if it has fentanyl, fentanyl in it, because kind of one of the biggest uh, ways in which overdose is happening right now is because people yes. are using, you know, some drug like crystal like you know like like methamphetamines or um you know or uh, cocaine, cocaine and don't realize that there's fentanyl in it right um so there's yeah. some very simple like imagine like you spent you know billions of dollars on kind of this militaristic approach for the one drugs and just imagine if like one billion of that was actually spent right in, in kind of this in this way right we could really make a thing a lot more headway um in, in, in keeping this, people alive yeah. well i mean it's an interesting i think that focusing on that like the user side but not from a criminal like not from criminalizing it or decriminalizing it because it creates politically it's such a toxic fucking cesspool that like all the homeowner even libs get so upset about you know and you've got you know articles about portland that i was bitching about weeks ago you know about how all the decriminalization has failed like even though it's been inactive for like six months (laughs) or less whatever like no time but you're right that like really focusing that's why i'm i'm just like the resistance from even liberal supposedly liberal governors like gavin newsom to safe injection sites the you know criminal like that same thing in new york these are blue states it's like no man if you guys can't get on board with something so basic testing strips uh, yeah the the safe injections needle exchange whatnot like any kind of harm reduction like we're so fucked yeah. on and expanding know? access to voluntary treatment as well right like giving people mm-hmm. the like that's that that whole piece is like it's so difficult to access treatment where people aren't forced to just go off of drugs immediately right um mm-hmm. like that that is an abstinence base right i mean so you know right. there there's just so much work to be done i mean you know when people think about harm reduction um you know it's like we we have to forget that like the type of harm reduction that is allowed to be done in the United States is like the most minimal form of it, right? Like there's a whole array of sort of harm reduction strategies that we aren't even allowed to do, right? Like you said, safe consumption sites, but also safe drug supply actually, right? Which I know sounds crazy Mm -hmm. to people, but like, yes, if people are gonna do meth, like let's give them some prescription, like methamphetamine right um to know that Mm -hmm. they're like getting exactly you know the kind of dose quantity that is going to prevent them from overdosing right and then let's provide services yeah well right but on that and this is why i think this country i mean let's just like i'm just so close to calling it quits (laughs) is that if the market's not involved Mm -hmm. right this country is allergic to a solution so you can legalize marijuana as long as people can make money off of it money money exactly how much money you need 
Right. Yeah. And just circle back to our negotiations around you know, like the legalized, like, the line is so blurry between, I mean, fentanyl is legal in a hospital mm -hmm. setting. Mm -hmm. Like these big pharma companies freak the fuck out when they want price controls. They're just narcos right. with white collars. Yes. I yeah, said it. Absolutely. But no, but for real. And it's like, because what you just described would require <laughs> a price negotiation <laughs> and control of these substances right. and oh no we can't do that because if you if it the market's not involved even if this market is killing people mm. it doesn't yeah. matter i mean even getting those like what is it 12 like drugs negotiated like you said like Ten, or whatever yeah. it is i mean it's just like you know why can't we do that with all drug prices in this country right <laughs> you know i mean so right i mean absolutely no, and but I do think, you know, as I studied uh, when I when Uruguay legalized marijuana and they did something that we will never do in this country, but had basically like government run marijuana <laughs> fields and and you could go, you have your little card, you get you right. buy affordable weed from the government and they limit how much you can right. get. Mm -hmm. You can also grow it yourself. But again, it was this whole, like, can you imagine? Well, I mean, yeah. ironically, for all the Republicans that have now invested in marijuana, hello, John Boehner, mm -hmm. remember that, a-hole? Mm -hmm. Like, they would freak out if there was, like, Biden-run marijuana right. farms. Right. Exactly. I mean, so much of this, of course, also runs up against the, you know, kind of moral fabric of this country, right? Which is based upon punishment and austerity. And you should never enjoy yourself, yes. supposedly, although you should, you know... Uh, go to las vegas or whatever which actually i just did but anyways yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait wait why <laughs> oh i was just there to see the b-52s no big deal yeah it's fun b-52s yeah, yeah. wow i i don't think we'll be friends <laughs> anymore because <laughs> well, so he went to vegas or the, he likes the b-52s i don't know no, vegas is fine b-52s are like the one what? band that i'm like I hate like it's like an earworm and it drives you know you listen to the I'm wrong songs you know you like only know rock lobster probably which I you know sure like it's it, yeah it's objectively <laughs> obnoxious move beyond rock lobster you'll get there. okay yeah. okay okay I gotta get the b-sides of the b-52s um yes. Carlos last 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 a bunch of Latino lawmakers uh like you know, speaking of uh, AOC, I think Joaquin Castro, um, they took a trip to Latin America. But unlike a lot of trips to Latin America that Congress people take, which are usually to visit with like the Venezuelan opposition, <laughs> um, you know, these folks actually talked with like progressive leaders, specific, like, for example, uh, Gabriel Boric, the president of Chile, who kind of rose to power in the same through a student uprising and revolution he's like 38 and there was this a beautiful exchange i want to talk about it on my bonus show on friday but what do you make of this new push and posturing towards latin america that has a lot to do with like learning from their their political movements and doesn't come with this like again this um patronizing you must do x y and z before we meet with you yeah well you know i i I do think it's an incredibly important like step, right? Um, you know, I, I don't want to like, uh, I guess, place all my eggs in this basket or, or over, you know, get overhyped on it uh, or exaggerate it. But you know, I do. I also don't want to like understate how important it is. 
is. I think it's incredibly, an yeah. incredibly important gesture, um, you know, to go and actually sit and meet with Francia Marquez in Colombia and, you know, Boric in, in Chile and, and have yes. some real conversations, right? And have some sort of presence and to have like an independent, um, you know, um, relationship uh, from, you know, uh, Biden and, and Kamala Harris, right? Kamala, who are saying, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. don't come to, you know, like people who are considering <laughs> migrating, right? Is, is like sort of their message, you know? So I, I yes. do think that it's important that a group of, you know, politicians um, have staked sort of an independent path or are trying to form sort of this different kind of relationship. Um, now, mm -hmm. you know, what that translates into policy-wise, I guess, is a whole other question, and we can only hope. Um, I do think that there's been some important steps that, like, you know, people like AOC have taken and, and trying to, um, you know, confront uh, drug war policies in the region, you know, achieve, like, you know, got some amendments in last year's NDAA, like National Defense Authorization Act, that were, like, one of them was about, you um, not allowing the U.S. to fund aerial, aerial fumigation of, of crops, right, which has been Ooh, environmentally, yeah. environmentally yeah. disastrous for Colombians. And, you know, we know it's associated with all kinds of health issues. Um, so, you know, there's been some important steps, right, that uh, people like AOC have taken, I think, to kind of counteract some of those like longstanding uh, drug war kinds of policies. You mean she doesn't just wear fancy dresses to the Met Gala? <laughs> Um, you know, man, she's doing real work. There's shit she's right. doing. And, and, and just, I will say like, I have hope. I mean, one day I hope, I mean, look, Boric, that uprising was like 2014, mm. like 15 years mm. later becomes president yeah. guys. It can happen. Yeah. Um, she also has done things like asking the U S to apologize. Think says the U S should apologize for, um, helping with the CIA backed coup right. in Chile and, uh, against Allende. Right. Yes. Like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's important. You know, yeah. Hey, man, if Bannon's like going down there and meeting with fascists, like, you know, I do think it's important right? that, you know, um, progressives uh, be forging some sort of relationships as unequals. Those relationships in inherently are uh, because it's still US, the U.S. politicians and, you know, um, it's a fraught relationship inherently. I, I, I think it's important that 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 it, these kind of small baby steps be taken and so hopefully it leads to more. So totally. we'll see, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's just so great that it was, um, it seems like, yeah, it did not have anything to do with Joe Biden and <laughs> Vice President Harris. Uh, Kamala did not ask them to go do that, obviously. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely um, not. But she's probably pissed about it, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Carlos Martinez, you're wonderful. Thank you so much. Is there something people should follow or check out? Um, I don't know. Look, Google me. I'm at UC Santa Cruz. Uh, yeah, that's that's all I could say. I don't have like a flashy website yet. You know, I, I'll, I'll I'll try. You know. Well, speak. You you you. Got I got some books no, behind and, me and now. You know, that's like all your yeah, books. I got books. You wrote I, all those? I, I'm more professional now, right? Like you know, there I got, you go. Like a nice background now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you're not like shrooming and hugging redwoods right. over there. It, that's true. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I miss you, friend. I'm ex I hope to see you one day yes. soon and uh, come back. Uh, Mateen, we got one more segment. Stick around, yeah? You All here? right, I'm here. Yeah, okay, I'm let's here. do this. Um, a few things happen. I want to just ga gauge you in the audience, like kind of show-stoppy, um, interesting moments. Show-stoppy, I guess. This is Would You.
Okay, so this happened pretty much after, uh, immediately after the last show. I mean, last, last Wednesday, but it feels like a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell stopped. Like, he, like, mm-hmm. froze on camera again. Uh, I don't, if you need a little bit of it, here, here it is. I had a hard time hearing you. That's okay. What are your thoughts on running for re-election in 2026? What are my thoughts about what? Running for re-election in 2026. Oh. <laughs> Did you hear the question, Senator? Running for re-election in 2026? Yes. All right, I'm sorry, you all. We're going to need a minute. (laughs) Okay. Ah, I love that. I love that so much. So the question is, would you retire? Now, it is so painful to have to watch this. It's so painful that we have to, like, the whole world, everyone sees this. And, like, I'm going to tell you, I've noticed he looks up at the exact same place both times. He's seeing a demon, Mateen. It is a straight-up demon come to it's visit death. him. It's death. Straight death. Dude, or, de- yeah. you know death is tall, right? So he had to look mm-hmm. up. Yeah, I don't know. He should be. I mean, 81, bro, you should, like in no other place in the world, no other thing like elected officials is this like an 81 year old is like, oh, yeah, I'm still going to be like if you went to a restaurant and your server was 81 years old, you're like, why? Are you, you know, here? yes, please sit down. No, no I mean, yes. first of all, this is the United States. So there's you always like whatever. some 80 yeah. year old bagging groceries yeah. and you're like, damn. Um, yeah, him, him and Diane Feinstein, they just need to go away, bro. They're too old. And they and cancel each sounds, other out. Yeah, they could just yeah. be like, yo, one from the red, yeah. one from the blue. Peace. Let's, let's out. We out. Why are you here? If he's doing that, that, that's telling you that he's not capable enough to do his job if he can't even answer one simple question. And also, I feel like the last thing that a person who is that old, like, or who's that? I mean, you can be an 81-year-old and be totally with it. Mm-hmm. Neither of these people are. And like, no, you just like you would write a will or instructions for if you are terminally sick, mm-hmm. you know, you need to have directives for when you freeze on camera. You yeah. cannot do, t- cast a vote. You are not there. Like you, like you can't remember things. Like you, there needs to be, if we're not going to have fucking term limits, you gotta at least have some directives for when this shit happens. Yeah, like if this happens, you're if you're telling me you're not functional to be able to answer a question, you need to be able to be like, yo, you walk away, you're done, bro. Well, at least that, but oh my god. So okay, apparently it was not a stroke nor a seizure. Unclear if it was related to a fall that he took earlier this year, which is on top of another I think he had like a shower situation fall. There have been a couple falls, but so I'm like, I'm waiting for them to be like, he sees spirits like um, of the people who he's denied health care to in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kentuckians who've died from being unable to afford their meds. Uh, that's who I hope is haunting him. Yeah. But um, would you retire? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you're so Not poor. A- you're such a you're just you don't have money, though, Mateen, as a senator. No, man, he has so much money. <laughs> Why is he here? I hate him so much. I don't. <laughs> he's like, I, yeah, I can't even express how he, much he must retire. He, he really years, but okay, we got that down. Let's let's move on to our. I, I would agree. We retire. We're gonna retire. Mm-hmm. Next, would you eat radioactive fish from a, the Fukushima Daiichi 
plant, the water outside. Now, of course, not necessarily radioactive. So just this week, Prime Minister Fumio Kishida and three of his cabinet ministers ate Fukushima fish sashimi, not even cooked. It was not a cooked salmon roll, y'all. This is not, this is not like, you know, your mm-hmm. average uh, shrimp tempura. This is some straight sashimi um, in order to prove that the treated wastewater is is treated, that it's okay. So it was right by where the nuclear plant, uh, plant melted down in 2011. Um, and it's because like people have banned, like China had banned uh, all imports of Japanese seafood. Stupid. That's just a power move. That's just a dump. China, I agree. Uh, they contaminate more places than anywhere in the world. Exactly. So. Exactly. Like, like really? why, they're just, that's just a power move. Like, like yeah. meanwhile, their water is just like, yeah, full yeah. of like factory They're runoff. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is utter. You're totally right. Um, apparently, former mayor, Chicago mayor Rahm Emanuel went to go eat the sushi. Like everyone's mm. eating the sashimi and trying to do this. Do you do this, Mateen? Is this important to show? If, if I'm the if I'm the guy in charge. Yes, I do it. Because especially like if you know that, I mean, you have to show people that you trust what you're doing. It's like, it, it, I mean, it reminds me of an episode of The Simpsons yeah, where uh, George Burns had to eat that three-eyed fish. But um, yeah, you have to do it if you want to prove to people that you will know what you're doing. Especially, And if you know that you, you know that it works, what's the, what's the harm? I don't know. This is just very like obama going to flint michigan and drinking the water the water's sick (laughs) (laughs) but no but i just what i'm saying but that water wasn't really treated like we have documentation that i want no one did something that i water obama's wasn't there doing it at least this guy was like you know we've been here we trust right 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 Right. and it was to be fair 2011 long time ago so this is like Mm -hmm. you know uh, over a decade later it still doesn't have water by the way exactly flint still without clean water yeah no no, it's a good point. I mean, it's true. If you're gonna claim that everything's good and hunky dory, you might have, and that your that your program worked. Your program, you works. might have because to. because not only that, you want to show that other this program worked, so you want to take it to other places and sure. you make more money and you could stimulate your economy and your country. Also, a li- I learned after visiting Japan that like part that like seaweed actually has high levels of radiation. There's mm. something, and it actually like it might be good for you. Like it's not, it might help you live longer, you guys. Yeah. So Okinawa, they, they live a long time. In Okinawa. Yeah. Don't sleep on uh, the radioactive fish here. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to say, I don't know. I might've had a cooked roll, but I'm going to say, yeah. Um, What is our, we have a third event. Oh, I forgot about this one. This was good. This was really good. Okay. Um, So it turns out, there is a vampire child in Poland who was mm. buried 400 years ago and archaeologists are digging him up. So mm. this is a 400-year-old corpse that was locked to its grave. Why was it why was a child corpse locked to their grave? Well because mm-hmm. um it was a child revenant, a su- suspected child revenant. While excavating the unmarked mass cemetery at the edge of the village of Pien, near the Polish city of... I cannot even begin to try to pronounce that. But I like Pien. Bedoshes. Researchers from... Thank you. Bedosh. Researchers from Nicholas Nikolaus Copernicus University in Torun unearthed the remains of what has been widely described to be 
a vampire child. The corpse, thought to have been about six at the time of death, was buried face down with a triangular iron padlock under its left foot in a likely effort to bind the child to the grave and keep it from haunting its family and neighbors. Wow, that's wild, bro. Wild. That's fucked up. All I wanted to do, a six-year-old, six. All I wanted to do was just watch another episode of Bluey. You got to fucking kill it. That's wild, bro. (laughs) What kind of... Does he have fangs? I don't think so. No, it doesn't seem like there are fangs. There's a photo here. It just seems like this child was deemed to be a vampire and to the point where they were so scared it would come back alive after they you can only assume uh, they killed it i need to know whether it was died by natural causes or not or maybe they buried it to buried it alive or buried it alive and if that's why you, you had to had to put a chain on them sure if you are an archaeologist if you are excavating this you you take it out what do you do hell no i don't touch that man <laughs> I seen way too many movies, bro. I'll touch that, bro. You like this. We gotta do like this, man. All right, I'm done, guys. See you later. <laughs> we are not, we are not unearthing this vampire. I would absolutely not as well. But but I but I think that the scientist in me, which I don't have, um, but if I were there, I'd be like, no, demons aren't real. Meanwhile, yeah. Mitch McConnell over here seeing all these child vampires yeah. just fucking yeah floating around him um if if we unleash him just to haunt republican senators that's yeah. totally fine with me i'm cool with that yeah but i don't know how to like steer him in the right direction yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't trust that but dean can i ask you about a really inappropriate tweet that you had yeah what was so funny what was it so a few weeks ago there was a lot of uh discourse about the song try that in a small town mm-hmm. and uh it was all uh <laughs> <laughs> i know where we're going here yeah so it was jason aldean try that in a small town which is uh filmed uh outside of basically where like lynchings took place Lynchings will happen yeah public lynchings yeah yeah public lynchings um this is in what actual it's in Tennessee. In Tennessee. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the whole, and it was basically, it's basically like, you know, try to steal some Skittles and then try to just be black. Like, it's very, it's very, like, clearly coded against, like, so-called thugs. I don't mm-hmm. know what the, the lyrics are. But then you had a very funny take where I think you either tweeted or you put on Instagram a I photo of, yeah. of Ashley Babbitt. And the caption was, tried that in a big town. She tried that in the big town. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucked up, man. That's really fucked up, but also hey, made man. me laugh for so long. She's Did treason. You... Treasonous, bro. She... She's a traitor, bro. She's a traitor, bro. It's true. It's true. And um, it, like, yeah, the one, the, the thing that if those people who stormed the storm the capital were majority black and women and queer and or anyone other than who they mass were murder. we would have been be mass murdered murder yes just murder. shot dead yes um and and did you get a lot of backlash for that i actually did i mean there wasn't that much backlash um there are more people 
more people were supportive of it than than anything. It was such uh, a good take. I but I mean, some people, that. some people, you know, there you have your the people that fall through the cracks. But like, for real, it's to think it's like you want to make this thing and say it's not racial or whatever, and then you know you 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 commit treason, and she was a traitor and she got killed. Yeah, you know yep. she tried it. And she got she got tried, tried it yeah, in a big it, town. Yeah. And, and it yeah, and it is uh it's also just funny because I think that when it comes to Ashley Babbitt, you have the right like venerating her hero, blah blah. And then she's so, a white woman. She's a right. white woman. So we always want to make excuses for white women. Right. So, well, and like, then you have I think you have liberals who kind of like no one's relishing in her death, but you do have liberals who don't even really want to just say what it was, which was like, this is probably what would have happened had anyone else been doing this and like what do she you expect breaking into the capital the and they said yes these police privilege. officers are tasked with defending the lives of congress people um but i also think that people don't like we don't like kind of like yeah man you try that in a big town yeah you gotta kind of just what happens yeah you found so. out after you fucked around Anyway, yeah. uh, I really like that. I thought that was hilarious. And I like you, you, Mateen, and I'm so glad you Thank joined you. me on this very long but great show. Where can people find you, follow your work, see you live? Uh, you can uh, follow me on um, everywhere. Everywhere you can find me, Mateen Stewart. Uh, and also you can find me uh, on uh, every Sunday. I'm at the Hollywood Improv uh, for my show Late for Work. 9.15 Sunday. We have our year anniversary this Sunday, September 10th. So come and check us out. That's uh, my birthday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. Up. Do I get a guest set or like what? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, Mateen. Stay, uh, stay well. Be well. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you guys for also chilling for the long haul. I'm some um, I'm some read some super chats. Dances with gerbils. Welcome to new membership over on YouTube. Uh, thanks so much. Um Dick Topping, don't like that name, says, hi, Franny, how was Beyonce yesterday? Great. Um, however, I'm not going to go see live music in a covered arena anymore. Uh, this is like the second time that I've seen live music in a covered arena, uh, and it fucking sucks because the sound was dog shit in SoFi, guys. So... Either the next time I go, I have enough money to be on the floor, which I don't think will happen, or I just skip it because it was, the sound was garbled. And I've seen Beyonce multiple times in outdoor venues, but that had better acoustics. Acoustics sucked, guys. Sorry. SoFi acoustics suck. There, I said it. I mean, if you know, you know. You're going to spend money on an artist you really, really, really like. If it is a covered arena... You, it's not going to be good, people, unless you've got like thousands of dollars to be on the floor or in a really good section. I just need this PSA. That being said, she's wonderful. She brought it. She was great. Um, Gatling Combo says he wants to dead name people. We will keep calling it Twitter said, uh, about Elon Musk. Indeed. Um, Sarah Layla, I'm surprised he didn't make Twitter um, SS instead of X. Mwah. With the uh, SS as obviously lightning bolts. Jeff Curry, I heard Mitch McConnell got a tattoo on his forehead of that buffering wheel. Very funny. Uh, Descender Dragon, thank you for your super chat. Howdy, Franny. How have you not taken over TDR in John, John's absence? Prime coup opportunity. Prime coup opportunity using Trump's hand movements. I do take it over every 
Thursday, I'll be on. Thursday, I'm hosting. So Mondays and Thursdays in September and then Mondays and Fridays in October. So stay tuned for that. Thank you, Rachel. Happy almost birthday, you say. Hef, thank you for your super chat. says it's called Pancho Man now. Don't know what that's in reference to. Pancho Man. Is that a all oh, burning man? Pancho Man. I like it. I like it. Uh, Camperman 5000, speaking of men, um, thank you for being a member, says my mom's on Entresto and Jardians, so I'm quite glad Dark Brandon did this. Entresto is $1,300 and Jardians is around $800. It's ridiculous. Oh my God, that's fucking insane. And I hope they do more than cut that in half. I hope it, that, that uh, even 200, like what's fair? That seems ridiculous. Um, Pakal Kinichganab, I'm sorry. Pakal Janab. I'm messing that up. The DEA and the CIA smuggle drugs into the country and use Mexicans and frontmen. I don't doubt it. Uh, fight for the cause on Twitch. US, UCSC go banana slugs. Mm -hmm. um, it's just Vegas on Twitch reminding us you can get a generic Viagra pill for 87 cents a pill. Jesus Christ. <sighs> Vitingale, thank you for uh, being a member. Uh, says, click the like button for the only contributor to the network with enough spine to say I disagree. Yeah, I disagree. I don't know which network you mean, TYT. I disagree with a lot of stuff that happens there. Um, thank you so much. The 505 Wrecking Ball, not to mention how much of our tax dollars went into some of their research, giving them research for free, speaking of pharmaceuticals. Uh, indeed. Daniel Lee, what's up? Back in the comments saying the major societal disruptions in South America created by fascists are all still done with U.S. influence and support. Yes, they have been historically. Robert, uh, thank you for your super chat. The capital class will always choose fascist populism because while they may lose political power, they get to stay rich. Robert, I don't have a cookie, but I think that is the comment of the day. As long as they get to stay rich, fascism is fine. JL, thank you for your super chat. Super appreciated. Henry King, your super chat, how generous, says, what about the next year they do a The World is Burning Man festival instead of, instead, in all, instead, in all ask each other why they are there. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think the people who go are bad, but um, it would be tight to have a festival that was about, like, real social change and doing some good shit and, like, um, you know, yeah, obviously it's about fun, but uh, I feel like we're kind of in this. It's sort of like you're in one you're you're in one realm or the other. Either it's a like, you know, Coachella, just fucking whatever, like fuck around or like do some real shit. Be hard. Get, you know, get honest and real about, um, you know, make it make it impactful. Do something with it, you know, where it's. It's kind of just like we're half hippie, half techie. We don't know. I guess that's where I, how I feel about it. But then again, I don't like dust. So I am not a good arbit. Like I just, I'm going to give you a negative review of this anyway. KMC and Todd Roy both saying that safe injection sites work and they save lives. And JL with another super chat. Thank you so much. Um, Let's see. Angela Hofstetter giving, shining some light on this vampire story. I think there's a lot of similar cases that related to TB. If a family kept getting sick, they would assume that one of the previously deceased family members is a vampire and takes similar action. I mean, honestly, like the things that people have done in the name of their like what they believe are vampires is just like this poor. I think a little bit of that poor six year old. Like, yeah, if they were sick with something else and you didn't know what it was. You might have killed them 400 years ago. 
Martin also echoing. They just had a disease. They were just sick. You needed to help them. Anyway, so glad we found the cure for that. Uh, everybody get your TB shots. What? Um, and with that, thank you so much, everybody, for for being here. Let's let's throw down with the fart song. Let's do it. And thank of all, all of our top patrons, $10 or more. Thank you. We have no new patrons at $10 or more, but I see you $5 patrons. Thank you. If you guys want to up your pledge to 10 bucks, you get a shout out and my undying love and access to even more perks, including uh, the American Prospect. Um, maybe I need to sweeten the $10 pot. Shall I? Let's go over to Twitch. Rubber Fingers, you subscribe with Prime. Thank you so much. Jungle Rooms, resubscribe with Prime for two months. Paper Dragon Art, subscribe with Prime. Eat Socialism or Barbarism, gave out five community subs. You're wonderful. And Stephen Langlaw, subscribed at one month at Tier 1. And Late Bloomer 66 also resubscribed for one month at Tier 1. Thank you so much for that support. Let's dance it out. Thank you, Pedro Mac, my producer. Thank you to Maximilian Inhoff and Andy Vasoyan, the editor. We stream every Tuesday, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Follow us on all the things, Bituation Room on TikTok and Instagram, and Bituation Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at Franny Fio. And remember to fight the power, to fuck the patriarchy, and to not just bitch about it, but to be about it. Mm -hmm.